This is my first spoiler cast, everybody. So, like, everybody be patient. But I'm about to spoil a bunch of shit. Go ahead. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Real Talks. And this is the spoiler cast for Thor Love and Thunder. And we both love this movie. We did. Not as much as Ragnarok, in my opinion. But I still liked it. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where... And we're going to get into all of the what actually happened in the film in a minute. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I wanted to actually give a couple of numbers out to everybody because I yes. think it's very fascinating to see how Marvel can just continually pump these movies out with, you know, two and three a year and just make money hand over mm-hmm. fist. So mm-hmm. last night for everybody, I mean, we went to go see it last night. So we're in this category movie made 29 million dollars last night which is, which crazy. is an incredible amount of money That's for insane. a thursday night premiere yeah fifth highest in the mcu of all of the movies i mean there's only a few out there that had more avengers endgame avengers infinity war spider-man no way home and doctor strange multiverse of madness well And I would argue the reason that it's so high is because everybody wrote off Ragnarok before the hype happened, right? Because they were like, oh, the second Thor was trash. So the third's probably going to be trash. That's what I thought. And then I kept hearing like, oh my gosh, this is the best. This is one of the best MCU like films I've seen. This is one of the best ones. And I saw it and I was like, oh, this is my favorite. So I bet you anything, the reason this went off so well is because, A, same director, Taika Waititi, who I love, but also, you know, like Thor became, we've talked about this in Real Talks, Thor became a very beloved character. People started to really like identify with him. He came into his own. And it's sort of this like really, I mean, I would argue there's something really relatable to his character in that Endgame happened, a huge global phenomenon, right? And he was a hero for it. And now he's lost. And there are like psychological things out there where it's like you reach your goal, you do something big, or some crazy global thing happens and you don't know where to go next. Well, we've kind of all been there at some point because of COVID. And I almost feel like people are sort of like, oh, I relate to Thor, even though we're not Norse gods and we didn't save the world with our hammer. Like, I think I think there's something to the fact that they're giving us one of the most unrelatable characters as a Norse god, the most relatable storyline. And I think there's something to that. And I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just it, it just it had everything that you want. And. So, by the way, and I didn't, I forgot to make mention, this was the 13th highest opening of all time of any movie. What? The, the, yes. So, that just tells you what kind of gravitas and, and everything else. And you were absolutely right about the fact that there was the same director and, you know, there was some people coming back. Yeah, so it, it's projected to make about 140 to 150 million dollars which you know and we talked about this last week and I call it I'm calling it the uh the comeback of the summer blockbuster because this is the fifth movie now that is has made 100 million dollars you've had multiverse of madness you've had Jurassic World 
You've had Top Gun Maverick, which continues to make money. Just, <laughs> you had you can't help but make even more money. That's no, all. I know. And so you had Minions last week, and now this is going to be the fifth movie. And so it's so nice to see the theaters back. It really, really is. So honestly, I love that you call it like the summer blockbuster comeback because genuinely all of these movies have been in theaters. And as we know, theaters have suffered them like so much because of COVID, blah, 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 streaming, blah, blah, blah. None of these were like only streamed. So we got the, we, we got to have box office numbers and I feel like that's only good things in order to keep the theater alive is to have actual go to the theater numbers and Maverick. I want to say is maybe the biggest catalyst to this comeback of going to the theaters. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the simple fact of people like the first trailer really, really did a lot for it because the nostalgia was there. You had Tom Cruise racing down a, a runway with the jet on the side. You had the, the volleyball, you had the, you know, singing in the, in the bar and, you know, you had all of the mainstays that everybody likes. And so I don't think anybody, including him, thought this would be his highest grossing movie of all time, let alone make over a billion dollars. So, you know, and by the way, I want to bring up a point here that for people out there that think, oh, well, the theaters would have never made it. These are all friggin' superhero movies. They are. They really are. They really are. Spider-Man No Way Home, okay? You had Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. You have Thor, you know, Love and Thunder. These are all superhero movies, people, that people want to see. That's why they're coming out to the theater. So for everybody that says, oh, this superhero for no, there isn't. Because this is what the people want. Yes. And this is what everybody's, you know, this is what they get. And here's the other thing, too. Multiverse of Man has made $187 million its opening weekend, and it was subpar. Yeah. Now, it made $35 million Thursday night or $36 million. Fine. Guess what? This is going to make 150 in its opening weekend. Okay, but listen. So – this is what I think, though. This is why this is all working out for everybody, literally everyone. We've already established that the thing that is king right now is nostalgia and heroes. Good versus evil, good winning out. That's literally all we need. So Spider-Man No Way Home, that was literally both. Maverick, literally both. Love and Thunder, literally both. Nostalgia, because we're bringing in other people that we used to see, Natalie Portman, blah, 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 and we'll get to that. We're also seeing our favorite characters, and then we're also good versus, versus eviling. I just think that that's literally the formula right now, which makes a lot of sense considering where like the country's at right now. And then we're going to have the next part one, Mission Impossible, which again is nostalgia mixed with good versus evil. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That, that's a, that's a great that's a great point. And and you know if this. Mission Impossible does anything like what the other ones are going to do. And, you know, I, it's, I can't even imagine. They're going to have to print money. <laughs> They're going to have to print money. <laughs> and so, I mean, Fort Knox may have to be taken over. But in all seriousness, it's one of those things where I think that the movies are back because of superhero movies. Whether you like them 
or whether you don't like them. If the stories are good, people will go. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, I think that movies are very much an incredible mirror to society. I feel like society feels like we need a lot of W's, a.k.a. wins, right now. And superhero movies are nothing but W's. Like, But it also isn't without adversity. There's always adversity. They always have to give something up. And I feel like that's just something. Okay, so before we just keep going on and on and on and on and on. Let's get to like the actual spoiling. Cause that's why I'm here. I just want to spoil. Yeah. The hell so I just want to, I wanted to say one thing real quick. So Ragnarok opened to $123 million. So this is, if we're going to call this on par, this is right on par with Ragnarok, right on par. Okay. It set. it made 315 million. Now I'm talking about it made three fifteen here in the states and eight hundred fifty million dollars. So if we're going to use that as a template, this movie is going to make at least, at least, eight hundred fifty million dollars. At least, probably more like a billion. You didn't think it was going to be that much, did you? I don't. No, really- no, no. Oh well, I, I didn't. You know, and you know, I'm gonna swallow some crow here because I didn't think it was going to be that big. But internationally, it's made almost fifty million dollars. Forty-eight and a half million in forty-two countries, and that's it's projected to make one hundred and fifty million dollars overseas, and that's not even playing in Russia and France and China, which right. China is the largest market out there. But so, anyways, let's get into the movie. So, first and foremost, I got to ask, how did was your theater packed? Tell me about your theater. Was it? The theater was not packed. It was okay. I went to the nine o'clock showing. Everything else had definitely been filled up. I want to say it might have been packed. It didn't feel like every seat was filled, though. We had one lady that just cracked up laughing so loud over everyone else. You know, that lady that's always there that does that. She was there in my row, unfortunately. But other than that, I would say that it was, I would say it was decently packed, but not like, I don't know if anyone was in the front row. Not sure. Yeah. So it was, so there was nobody in the first three. So I actually, I actually saw this in something. I don't know. We talked about this on a previous podcast. It was called Screen X. So for anybody who's not familiar with Screen X, what ends up happening is it's almost like a, you have your screen and then it on certain scenes, it projects on the sides of the walls. So it's, it's almost like a 270 degree immersive feeling. So you're almost in it. Yeah. It's great. I love it. I mean, uh, I thought it was great for this movie. Yeah. So if you get a chance to go see it in Screen X, definitely take advantage. IMAX is still the number one thing out there, but this is a good alternative if you can't do that IMAX. So my theater was, you know, it was decent. I mean, there were seats. I sat in the first row, you know, not in the, obviously the very, very first row, but right where the aisle is. Mm-hmm. So I, I had that, you know, I always take a corner seat. That way I can just, if I have to leave to use the restroom or whatever, I can just go without walking by anybody. So, but it was, it was good. So, okay. We should just probably say again, if you're listening to this, you've seen Thor Love and Thunder, and we are going to drop every nook and cranny. If you haven't seen it, here's the time where you can hit this pause button, go watch it. And then come back. Yeah. Okay. You've been warned. <laughs> so opening. What did you think of the opening of the movie? Like one of the first things we see. 
I thought that it was perfect because you needed a little amount, if not more than a little amount of empathy for our Christian Bale bad guy or villain. The reason we needed a little empathy is because motive is so important, obviously, for villains. For instance, when it was Thanos, Thanos is like, listen, like the world is cruel. Ever since I started doing this, it's worked out. It's been good. So you're welcome. Like, we got it, even though he's a psycho. Like, we were like, oh, we get what you're doing, what you're doing, but you're also still a psycho. Well, we needed we needed to know why Christian Bale was doing what he was doing, and they did an incredible job making him this poor father watching his daughter die. His daughter dies in his arms. He somehow stumbles upon the fucking God that he worships, his, you know, realm, and then his God's like, Oh, LOL. Like, no, none of that's real. Like that I thought was the perfect staging for why Christian Bale became the villain. It was a very, very good storytelling moment. I feel like you felt the anguish and the confusion and like the anger. How did you feel? Yeah, no, you're right. So two things. Number one, what you just described, it's called an inciting incident. So if you ever take a screenwriting class or a film class, it's called the inciting incident. This is the incident or the the plot point. It's usually in the the second or third, sometimes the fourth. But so in a 90 minute in a screenplay, traditional screenplay, a 90 minute screenplay, you have 15 plot points. Okay. You have three acts. Okay. And in each act, you're going to have five plot points. And so... Each plot point will run maybe three to four minutes. So one of the very first plot points is, as I said, is called an inciting incident. This is the portion in which we find out why this person is doing what they're doing. And so in this case, as you may mention of, you know, we see as the film opens, we see this father and daughter going through the desert and they're struggling just to get anything. He's trying to protect her. As you said, she dies in his arms. The god comes out and says, you know. So, of course, he, he goes and he eats what he wants and drinks as much water as he wants. And then the god basically shuns him and says, this is for our enjoyment type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is when the sword comes. And so he... It goes out of the god's hands into his, and that's what he uses to kill him. Well, yeah, it was just, it was absolute happenstance that the god of revenge had not only died there, but his weapon was there as well, and that it literally just passes to the next person who happened to be right there, aka Christian Bale. Yeah, like, which worked out, and that's fine. But I have to say, Christian Bale was such an an incredible villain. I'm not surprised. He was a DC comic hero and a Marvel villain, which I really liked. That I that like idea of duality right there. He did an incredible job. I was legitimately creeped out by him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, he only had about 10 to 10 to 15 minutes of screen time. Yeah. The whole movie. Really? And which which is shocking and he made the most of it. He dominated every scene he was in. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where now let me ask you this. Now that you've seen Thanos and now that you've seen Gore, which one do you think is creepier 
But which one do you think is the better villain, I should say, between Thanos and Gore? I mean, Thanos will always be more menacing because he had the capacity and like the like the willpower and the belief system behind something he had been trying for for so long. There's something really like upsetting about that. Whereas Gore was like kind of a a one off guy that had like was given the power to do something. I just feel like they're both creepy for different reasons. They were both menacing and I would be more afraid of Thanos. I'll just say. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's it's one of those things where I think they both have their own qualities. I mean, Thanos can overpower anybody he wants, while Gore is more creepier, for lack of a better word. Right. So we get. So let me ask you this: What did you think of? What did you think of the Guardians cameo? I was expecting way more of the Guardians, so I was disappointed. I think everybody was. Yeah, and I'm upset. I was upset with that. I thought that was absolute bullshit, and I was like, wait a minute. They totally, I hate when they advertise something that they don't deliver on, but they use it to get you in the theater. And I was marketing. It's called marketing. Exactly. Sorry. (laughs) I hate the marketing aspect of, oh, we're going to dangle the fucking, like, because we loved, I I talked about this in in our other podcast where I loved the chemistry between the Chris's, you know, and like. We got none of that. Literally, it was such a fucking afterthought that it made me upset. And I would have said, I would even say they could have literally like benefited from a longer run with the Guardians. But I mean, I think they they just wanted to establish them and okay, fine. And so, I mean, that was, I mean, the only other thing I can think of off the top of my head is like Zendaya. And we've talked about this too in Dune. Yeah, no, that was a total marketing thing for sure. That was a marketing thing. When you watch that one of those Dune trailers, you really think she's in the film, and then she's in the, like the last seven minutes. It's like hell. You know, one of my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite examples of the trailer being absolutely the most mis- misleading ever was the very first Sherlock Holmes trailer with Robert Downey Jr. They had scenes in that trailer with Rachel McAdams that they never showed in the actual movie. They like showed her all over the place. And there was literally scenes that I went back and I like compared and I was like, that never happened. That never happened. Now, was it, did, did they use it for like the director's cut or did they put it in the Blu-ray extras? I don't have any idea. All I know is they were not in the movie. And I was like, where did this scene go? That was clearly in the trailer. Yeah, but see, that's what they'll do a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what they'll do because of scheduling and everything else, what they'll do is when they know that they only have X actor or Y actress for a certain amount of time, this is what they'll shoot for that day. Yeah. Just to because they have to get a, enough footage for a trailer. Right. So they'll only shoot for certain days. They'll call, I mean, I'm making the term up, but they'll call them trailer days. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. We're yeah. only going to shoot footage for the trailer. Yeah. And then that's what because that's the first thing that they have to use to go market it. So when you and I talk about it and they say, oh, this trailer dropped today, this is what they're using. Meanwhile, they're going back and they're filming all this other stuff. But yeah. Okay. also real quick, I thought they brought Gamora back. Like I thought past Gamora came through and I thought she was back. I, I don't know. 
So, I mean, I, it was kind of a good thing that they didn't stick around because there would have been a little logistics problem. Yeah, for sure. But do you think there's going to be another Guardians movie? Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to get Guardians 3 next year. Okay, good. I'm just making sure. So, yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm pissed that they dangled that. That's mean. I don't like yeah. that. No, I, I, I get it. So let's move on. So he dies. He gets so now he becomes the God Butcher. And then we see the little uh, I love Korg with the voiceover. Yeah. At the beginning. That was just I, it was perfect. It was great to establish that. So how they did that. Yeah. And Woody Foster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where it went to so then then we get back in the ship. And we find out that, you know, there have been all these distress calls. And one of them is Thor's friend. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know. But. Yeah. So you have to have watched Thor and the, the Dark World to really okay. understand. Yeah. So, yeah. I liked, I liked when she was like, at least I get to go to Valhalla. And he's like, no, you have to actually die like in battle. Yeah, and you have to die in battle. I'm sorry. Now, so. Maybe your arm is there. Yeah, your arm's probably in Valhalla. Right. Yeah, no, I loved that. It was good. I have to say the hasty introduction of Jane Foster. I don't know. Her entire role was rushed. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. He's an Academy Award winner. Her acting was the fucking worst of anybody's. And I love, I love her. I think she should have won another Oscar for Jackie, playing Jackie Kennedy Onassis. She's incredible. Her acting in this film was like a call-in. She just called it in. It was so bad. It was like Amidala status bad. In my opinion. Wow. But see, the difference between Abadal... Yeah, but see, the difference between Panama was, first of all, she was like 16. She was getting everything together. But moreover than that, like the story there was completely different. That's how bad this acting was. He should yeah, know so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to agree with you about one thing. First of all, I thought the, the jump, the jump cuts, like the editing was like, where do, why are we going from like one thing, one planet we're talking with Thor? And then I understand you have to establish her. I get right. it. Yeah. But here's my question. When did she get cancer? Right. They just throw that. I mean, th- this to me, I, I, and I was trying to figure this out during the movie. I'm like, no time. Look, I get she wasn't in Ragnarok. I get it. Okay. But not even in the dark world. Did, were there any sorts of hints? We never even got anything like, well, this could be cancerous. Or, all of a sudden, she pops up with uh, stage four cancer, terminal cancer. Like, which, by the way, you knew she had to die at the end. I mean, they're just, you know, thing on the a flashing light saying, okay, she's dead. She's dead. She's dead. I mean. Yeah. Why are you rushing something like that? You know how much I love Taika Waititi, but like I have to say, like they literally could have gotten rid of her entire character, and it would have been probably around the same. They could have replaced her with Valkyrie and had Valkyrie even went like live maybe barely, whatever. But like I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, and you know whoever, like her character was 
very much disposable. It was not needed. It was inessential. And I don't feel like they, I don't feel like they did her any better than what she already was, really. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Rachel McAdams in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I don't even know what the point of her character was. When you go back and watch Multiverse of Madness, and if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. What was her... There was a whole premise of, you know, it it was like he had to make amends with her. Yeah. The whole time. It was completely unneeded. Whether it was at the wedding or, you know, there at the end. It was unneeded. Rachel McAdams. And this, to me, just felt the same way. Like, why are you... First of all, there was no, and listen, I understand in every single movie, you have to take one leap. I get that to make yeah, it believable. for sure, for sure. But we're talking about a character that has been in, she is like the one character that has been in Thor movies. She hasn't jumped around to the Avengers and, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, or she is exclusively in Thor movies. But she was only in two of them. Right. Well, yeah. And this is my point. When and how did she all of a sudden, you never even explained how she got stage four cancer. No. Well, I mean, nobody knows how people get stage four cancer. No, but but here's my point. There was nothing you could have at least said. There was no dialogue explaining, well, you should have stayed away from those wires or the radioactive stuff where you should have done. There was no explaining of anything. She just shows up in a, in a med unit. I know. I think there are stage four cancer people that I've known, though, where it's literally like they had no idea. However, however, this was shoddy writership. Like, I'm not going to pretend. Like, someone was like, listen, we need Jane Foster to die. They're like, uh, stage four cancer. You know, like, literally, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Also, <laughs> like, not, not to mention, what the fuck? was the like bringing her to Valhalla shit like what are we supposed to think there's gonna be more of her who cared I didn't fucking care about Jane Foster I didn't care that she died I didn't care like anything about her she was not somebody that I was invested in not at all yeah so the what she was just referring to was one of the cut scenes we're gonna get to later on but I'll, I'll just explain it now one of the cut scenes at the end of it was I can't think of his name off the top of my anyways, one of the characters actually who died as Hemdale actually welcomed Jane into Valhalla because she died. So that that's what she was talking about. But so yeah, I mean I thought it was kind of you know, so if you go back and listen to one of my other previous podcasts, our previous podcast is I had a problem with how Marvel treats their women characters. And this goes back to Multiverse of Madness. And you can go down. I'm not going to list the whole thing. You know, Black Widow with her dying and Endgame and just all of these other examples. I got, I was happy we finally had a strong female character. But you could have absolutely continued the story with her. Oh, 100%. You did not need to kill her off. And I don't know why... Or who made that decision, but okay. So anyway, so we go, so the the Guardians, so he, as I said, Thor goes to his friend and then she says, look, you know, 
Gore, the God Butcher, is, is going around killing gods. And so now he's got to go figure out how to stop him. But before that, we go to the Jane Foster character and we see her in the med unit. And then she's at one day she's at her house working on something and she looks at one of her books and she sees the hammer. And so then she goes to New Asgard and she goes through one of the tours and you see her, you know, she's the last person standing there and you know, the hammer starts to come together and then it cuts to another scene. Okay, real quick though. Okay, her little friend who was in WandaVision and was with her in another movie, I'm sure, right? What's her face? The one that came and visited her in chemo. Oh, Kat, De- Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, Which, By yeah, the way. We, we love her. <laughs> I love her. I think she's, you know, she's a very attractive person. Don't get me wrong, but the last time we saw her, you know, was in the dark world and that's what i don't understand well wait no she was in wandavision though okay so she was in wandavision yes all right i didn't so i did not watch though i've watched a couple episodes of wandavision honestly wandavision was really slow it was too slow for my liking it was a slow on the uptake anyways bottom line is kat denning was there she said something like I, you always have the hammer out or something like something having to do with Thor, but I always didn't, I didn't understand what she meant. Like literally even now I don't understand like what she can call Thor and Thor will make it better. Like, what does that mean? It was playing the, the card. You're talking about the scene with the card. Well, the God card, you know, oh, well, you know, he, he's blonde and he's buff and he's beautiful and you know, that card is like 6'3", 250, you know, that's the scene you're looking for. And I just went, okay. So if you can call him. Yeah, but like, what does that do for her cancer? You know what I mean? Like, well, no, she understand. because she's thinking that the hammer at that point would actually, and this is why she makes a trip to New Asgard to, to try and get the hammer. But yeah, so it gets it gets put together because she goes on through one of the tours. And so then... We don't see her again until the Shadow Monsters. Right. And then she's already Mighty and she's already Mighty Thor, which is a very new character that it was never explained, kind of. You had to really and I didn't know about Mighty Thor, but I guess you have to I mean you have to have some it's starting to get to the point where you have to know certain I mean, I'm not a comic book person, okay? Neither am I. I know of the the characters but it's starting to where you have to know the comics in order to understand the movies right and that's where it's i think it's losing people at the same time me not knowing who mighty thor is didn't necessarily take away from her storyline i just think that it was so hastily done and we both agree like that there wasn't even a good enough introduction and like you both of us thought that she might even continue the thor legacy yeah and i, she I really did yeah no yeah so when gore kidnaps so that that's the main thing okay the problem here is that gore kidnaps all the kids in new asgard and so this actually leads to one of the you know what the other main problems you know trying to get the kids back but before that, I, I have to. We have to talk about something. So when you're 
watching, you know, with the scene with the Taurus before she looks at the hammer. What did you think of the cameos? Oh my God, they were so good. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> no, no, before, so I was sitting next to my brother and they, of course, I love that they brought Matt Damon back. Literally, my favorite. By the way, we got to catch you. By the way, when I saw him on screen, I, you know, because I could tell his face through the glasses and whatever else, I'm like, did she have some inside information? <laughs> <laughs> because you said that, you know, if Matt Damon was in this for about a minute, you're you're going to, you know, I was going to really like it. I'm like, did she know Matt was going to be? <laughs> I had no idea. But knowing knowing how good Matt Damon is with inside jokes, he's kind of like, I mean, like he has inside jokes with Jimmy Kimmel. He has inside jokes with everybody. It's almost like he has an inside joke with us where it's like he's this huge star, like possibly – I mean, just as big as Natalie Portman, possibly bigger, I'd argue. He's maybe the biggest star that was on the movie, quite frankly. Like, if you were to ask anyone in the world who Matt Damon was, I think they would know. And yet he was this really hilarious tiny person, like, in this, you know, role. But my favorite was when they announced Hella, I was like, Josh, watch. Josh, watch. This is going to be somebody. This is going to be a cameo. Watch. And it totally was. And I was not disappointed. I was like, this is the funniest shit ever. And she had this. McCarthy. I went, that's classic. That's just like the best move ever. Yeah. No, I I just, I thought that was, that's how cameos are supposed to be done. Yes. Literally one and done. And that was perfect. And so, no, the cameos were just unbelievable. Did you know who that other person was that was playing yeah, Jurassic Park guy, right? And also the other Hemsworth, the older brother who's a Oh, okay. So that was his brother. Okay, that's where. I knew there was, because you told me, it was okay, that makes me. All right. So, but yeah, so she gets the hammer. They have the battle, the shadow people. And this is the first time that Jane and, and Thor actually reunite. Yes. And I, by the way, I loved the. The hammer versus. Like the- well, it wasn't even that. It was like how he was talking with Stormbreaker and, you know, like a jealousy type of thing. Yes, Stormbreaker had jealousy with the, the, yeah, the hammer. And it was just like, that's just too good. No, it was so good. I love that Stormbreaker had its own personality. I honestly thought it worked. It played. And the idea that not only was it his ex-girlfriend, but his ex-hammer, that he kind of wanted, like, to still have a bond with. And, like... I thought that that was such a funny thing that they didn't have to do, but that, of course, like, the writers saw a really good window to, like, play that up, and I thought that that was so good. Okay, so what did you think about the screaming goats? Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. There there are goats that sound like that in real life, so it's not even that they made that up. No, I I, I bet there are. And, you know, (laughs) it was hilarious. One of them says, oh, I'm going to put them down. Or we're going to eat them. You're like, and they go, oh, you know, they, they get, they, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, no, no. We're just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also I really liked where, what's the rock guy's name? I can never remember his name. Korg. Korg. I love Korg. Korg is one of my favorites. Ever since he was like, piss off, ghost, in like the first one. That's like when I knew I loved him. Anyways, when he was like, oh, they they always respond to a really specific whistle. And he was like doing all the whistles. And then he asked that one, that one lady, that one girl that's really funny that like can feel empathy to other people. What's her name? Anyway, and she's like, what about you? And she's like, ah, like she didn't know how to whistle. <laughs> no, it's just, 
So that's the whole premise. So then we go and which who you brought up earlier, Valkyrie. Yeah. And so so she seemed really disinterested, you know, and it was one of those things where, okay, we're going to, we got to go save the kids and everything else. Yeah. And so that's when everybody was like, you know, so Thor, I love Thor. He tries to make a, a rousing speech. Yes. So in the speech that you hear the, the dry erase marker go across the board, he's like, I'm trying to make a speech here. <laughs> I can't make that. And I liked that it was all like pictures, you know, like they would have done back in the day. He's like, oh, he's writing the minutes. And it's just like, I would have wanted to like screenshot that and looked at like the pictures that they drew because it probably would have been like really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Easter eggs in that. But yeah, so then they they go to the solution was to go to Zeus to try and actually to go to the gods and say, you know, we need your help. We need to raise an army. Let's go to Zeus, the most powerful god. And I love. Oh my gosh! I mean, like we have to go to Zeus. Zeus, the Zeus, the Zeus. Like yeah. So it's like okay. So then they go with the goats, and they go to the the city, and she's like, "Wow, you know, of course." You know. So then they go into the big arena type of thing, and so we see, you know. He does his little appearance. And he's like, no, 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 no. He, he's known for his entrances. So then, of course, you see, you know, none other than Russell Crowe. <laughs> honestly, honestly, like, that was the most genius casting I've ever seen. Like, not only was, okay, first of all, like, now I think it's okay to be like, he gained some pounds. Like, this or, or they were stuffing things into him. But, like, he was just, like, this fat dude that, like, who had all this panache. Honestly, it's everything you would think Zeus is, honestly. Like, kind of mostly show and not a whole lot of, like, action. But, like, I think my favorite is when he, like, like they he was going to come down from his little platform and he, like, picked up his skirt, you know, like, to go down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, before that, though, it's one of those things where – He's talking, and then he's like, shh, shh. And he's like, who's talking? They are. You know, and he's, so, no, come down here. You know, so he makes Thor come down to, you know, and, and he starts talking to him, you know. Yeah. Thor and, and Zeus started having a conversation. He's like, look, if you're not going to, if you got, if you're going to st- be like this, you're not going to come to the orgy. Yeah, he's like, listen. <laughs> like, so he's like, all right, you're unavoidable for the orgy. Yeah, like that, like as if that's like the most pressing thing. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, really? That whole thing was hilarious. Also, I have to say, so I'm bisexual and I was like, I really like Valkyrie. She's very cute. But then I didn't, they didn't, in my, I don't know if you caught it before, but I didn't feel like they made her overtly gay or queer in any way until she stole the lightning bolt and then she stopped and like kissed the hand of like one of the hotties that was on like, the yes, yes. I saw that. And that's when I was like, Oh, like maybe, well then again. So after the fact, after the show, I was talking to my brother and I was like, I don't feel like they ever made it very clear that Valkyrie is in fact queer in some way. And he's like, Oh, you mean the fact that she was a part of an all female army didn't like tip you off. And I was like, okay, but what about Wonder Woman? And he's like, no, no, no. They like all existed together as females. Like this was like 
And so I don't know. I thought it was kind of like, oh, okay, they're making it very clear. And then later they talk about her girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I thought that was a cute little like tidbit that they included because she's a badass, like either way. Oh, yeah, she is. I feel like they did Valkyrie, honestly, maybe the best of some of any of the MCU characters. She doesn't wear anything overtly like sexual ever. She's a badass. She's a king. You know, like I love that they call her a king instead of a queen, which I love. And then also I loved that when they were fighting this battle like against everybody before the Zeus thing. And she's wearing like a Phantom of the Opera shirt. Yes, like, yes, They make yes. her very like personable. Like she's a regular person. She's literally just living her life, trying to like lead these people. But she's also a badass. And I just, Valkyrie is one of my favorite characters at this point. So yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, she just, I love the, <laughs> so there's a scene where every time, so what happens is every time that Jane uses the hammer, it actually the cancer actually becomes worse. Mm -hmm. So one, there's a scene in New Asgard where she's in a room and she's looking in the mirror. Yeah. And so she, you know, she, we see her in full Th Mighty Thor garb and then she looks up and she's completely powerless. Yeah. And she looks and she's like, I love the fact that she didn't wear makeup either for certain things. She looked really, really, really like wretched. So, yeah. you know, and so... She smashes the, the sink. Valkyrie knocks on the door. And so they're like, you ready to go? And so she's like, yeah, you know, you ready? Well, you know, and they show, hey, you know, let's keep this to ourselves type of, type of thing. And then the got a couple things and, you know, she shows the, the sword and the daggers. And she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what's this? And then she and presses it's, it. It's, it's a speaker that they start Dancing to the beat, like, okay. Dancing, it was the family affair, like, family affair song by, I know this one, but I can't think of it anyways. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mary J. Bly. And yeah. so, yeah, it was a great, that was a great one. And also they had uh, another song later that was, like, coming out of the speaker. I just loved that there was, I loved that, like, she clearly started liking, like, American music or, like, you know, world music or whatever. I, I loved that, yeah. But... So as they travel to the shadow, so they get the they get the thunderbolt from uh, Zeus. And by the way, that is the other. That's actually the first mid credit trailer, mid credit scene rather is the. So we see Zeus talking to a bunch of. Well, we don't see the person on screen, but we see a few women around him, and then at the end we see his son Hercules. Oh my gosh. And it's, and it's freaking from Ted Lasso. Everybody knows who this guy is from Ted Lasso. I forget his name except for his Ted Lasso name, but like I saw him and I was like, Oh my God. Like, I know that guy. I know that guy. So yeah, that was pretty. So cool. that was, that will be interesting to see. So, but yeah, so they go to the, the sh on the way to the shadow realm. So they have the Thunderbolt at this point. They're on the way to the shadow realm. And so then this is when, Thor and Jane basically make amends and he says that, you know, I've missed you and this, this, and this. And she says, you know, I have cancer. And so she breaks down to the fact that, look, I, I'm going to die eventually. And so he's like, just live every day, you know? Yeah. Like it's your last. And so then you have, once they get there, they, the kids are gone, which, by the way, 
can I just say how cre- and I know I keep going back to it, but even like the little scene with Christian Bale talking to the kids creepy okay so what i thought they should have done because i thought this was the direction they were going in is what i thought was going to happen is christian bale was going to steal the hearts and minds of the children being like hey listen like when he was like oh you know what's great is we can twist this neck or whatever and they're like ah you know but then he's just like i thought he was gonna start to change them and be like hey listen like everybody you think is a hero they're just playing with all of us like I just did. I thought he was going to make them turn against Thor. And I was hoping that's where we're, they were going, but no. Makes sense. Because, let's face it, that's what happens in the first five minutes of the movie, right? He yeah. believes in this god and then all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, and he had this. That could have been a, a very interesting way to go. And then I had- thought that that was going to be the thing because imagine Thor coming to rescue the children and the children being like, no, like, we don't trust you. You know, like, why are you trying to kill this guy? Like, you know, the whole Stockholm syndrome thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just like, if this guy's like, listen, I had a daughter and she died and blah, blah, blah. Like, kids are so empathetic and pliable that like I could have seen that happening, but they didn't go that way anyways. But, but so speaking of the kids, so Hemdale's son was actually the one that was communicating with Thor. And yeah, so he basically, you know, so they were communicating. So he was being taught his powers. I love the fact when Valkyrie was actually doing that little thing with his nose, with her hair. Yeah. Yeah. That was so funny when she was, <laughs> That was so good. yeah, That's why I love her. but and then, you know, so they end up going to the shadow realm, and they end up by. By the way, did you think Valkyrie was dead when when he stabbed her? I did, and I was like, ah oh, man, you know, like just because I like her so much, I could see that being like a death. Well, I also thought that they killed what's his face, the rock guy, and yeah, Korg. Korg, love him, but honestly, I'm glad they didn't kill her. But it made sense that she couldn't come. Like, they, she needed to be injured so she could not be there to fight, you know, and, like, all that stuff. But, again, my opinion stays that Natalie Portman's character is literally unnecessary at this well, point. Well, and this is – in so this is where Thor – so that they kiss and then, you know, so Korg's like, I wonder what they're doing out there. And then, like – you know, so she makes she makes a comment. Oh, you know, they're making up or something to that extent. So they've finally gotten back together, and then we see her return. They return to New Asgard, and the next scene you see is, you know, the doctor basically saying there's nothing else we can do for her. Yeah. You know, we've tried all these treatments, and the hammer we don't know. So then, at that point, it's that this wasn't a touching scene. I'll say. This was one of the more touching emotional scenes. I mean, the beginning was, it really shows what kind of, because we've always seen Chris Helmsworth as this big, I mean, not, but like a big dumb oof, like, you know, rah, rah, rah. I'm going to yeah. break things. But he actually showed a tender side and said, like, look, I love you. Yeah. This is going to kill you if you go and, and do this again. And uh, Yeah. And again, I didn't, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I didn't care about Natalie Portman's character. Yeah. No, I know. I, I think it was the way she was. I, I think it was the way she was introduced. I really, really do. I mean, the, the character wasn't bad. No, not at all. But they it just. It wasn't. It's too little too late. 
Well, not only that, you have to make him earn. She had to earn being Thor. Yeah, and she didn't earn at all. She can't just have it given to her. Oh, it's like a magic pill. I'm going to give you a magic pill and cure all your ills. You can't do that. You have to make the person earn the pill. Yeah. And that's what they did. And so why she can't... So when she's seeing Thor get his butt kicked, she's like, oh, you know, well, what about... You know, she says, well, what about finishing the mission? Well, if this is one of the things you got to do... Yeah. And so, nonetheless... When he sees, when she sees that he's about to get his butt kicked, she comes in and, and really, I will say one thing. I did like the fact that, that she had to have like a slogan or a punchline. Oh, I thought that was cheesy. I didn't like it. It was stupid. I hated it. (laughs) Yeah. So then, but I loved, I loved the kids. Okay. You know, and then when, what Thor did, and this is going to be like. Okay, now they're going to kick some ass. I didn't for this reason. Never before has he imparted any of his, like, superpowers to anyone else. Like, well, why and this he- is what he said, for a limited time. Yeah, right. And it was like, okay. Why didn't he do that, like, in fucking Endgame? You know what I mean? Yeah. Inconsistencies like that. I hate it. And also, I thought it was kind of cheesy that the kids were, but you know, it worked okay. I didn't hate hate it. You had all the, you know, some of them had things. One of the one of the girls had her doll, and the, yeah. the lightning was coming. Out. It was great, right? I could see, like, I could get like kids would really like it. Like, I could see how, like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. I thought that it was sort of like this cheesy thing. Yeah, but, it, yeah. and that it could have been translated as that. So that was the whole premise that. He was trying to get Gore was trying to get back to eternity. And so because he wanted to be with his son. And then at the end, I mean, so that fight goes on for 15, 20 minutes. And then what ends up happening is so Stormbreaker is actually the because she discovered that Mighty Thor had discovered that Stormbreaker had the elements. Yeah. And so Thor was like, you know, stop, you know. So eventually the door opens to eternity. And and I was over here like, why is no one getting in between him and the door? I know. The whole fucking fight, I was like, he can literally run through it. Like, And so that's what he does. And I mean, he walks through it. And so he goes to see his daughter. Yeah. And so. Well, he didn't go to see his daughter. He went to destroy all gods. Yeah. He didn't go for his daughter. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, and then that was what he said, you know, take care of her. Yeah. And then the ending was it was kind of funny. I mean, we see, you know, they're back on new, we assume this new Asgard, and he's making a breakfast. Well, what are these things? Yeah. They're flapjacks. Well, what are these? I, I don't think I like these. Yeah, I've never been you there. Know, so it's like, take your, you know, do you have your boots? They're right here, you know. Five-year-old being a five-year-old, right? Yeah, it was literally, I loved that they had a five-year-old being a five-year-old and that him being, like, trying to be a dad. And I loved that she, like, colored on the hammer. Oh, the the hammer. And she was, like, (laughs) cooler. Like, she she was being that age. And I loved that they did that, like, that she clearly had, like, been taken care of. Like, kids are only kids like that when they're being taken care of. So it's, like... We knew that he was doing a good job because she was acting like her age. That's how you know. 
And that was a big deal. And I really loved that. And then you find out they're just there to like battle people, which is funny. Yeah. And then, you know, so it was one of those things where you're like, no, I don't want to do it. Boom. And then stuff comes out of her eyes and like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> okay. You just broke another pan. Go get your boots on. Oh, all right. She has the actual God energy, right? So who do we think she is? I don't know comic books and neither do you, so we don't know. We I'll look up some articles. I'm sure somebody has like thought yeah, about it. Yeah, I think, yeah. So it's one of those. So at the very end of the film, we see them go and we battle. They, you know, they that was actually pretty cool. They're running out together. And then so they're, they're going to go into battle together. Now you've got to, these are the good guys over here. These are the bad guys. You've got to make sure that, you know, you attack the right people. But yeah, it was. Oh, look, overall, it was a good movie. I thought it was like a 3.5 out of 3.5 out of five in my book. Ragnarok was a solid four out of five, like a solid 4.5 out of five. Yeah. Did it have problems? Yeah, sure. But I mean, I think what you have to look at is do the good points outweigh the bad points? And in this case, it's a wash. Yeah. Because... It really is a wash. There are certain scenes that are fantastic, like the kids, you know, and then she's like, and it's mighty Thor, you know, and she has, and she had her moment. She did. So, yeah, (laughs) so she had her moment and then, but one of the, the biggest plot point for me was, or plot hole, I should say, is why did you make her have stage four? Because they needed her to die. They she wanted needed her. No, I get it. But that, that, so you couldn't have her back for another picture? I, I just don't understand why. I don't why. think Natalie Portman wanted to be back for another picture. Then why did she come back for this one? That's my, if, to be absolutely frank, if she didn't want to come back for another picture, what made her come back for this one? Because to me, this is we're going right back to the same thing we're doing with all these other women. True, true. She, except no one cared about her, so I'd like. No, yeah, and, and and nothing was earned. Nothing was earned. Nothing was earned. She didn't earn the hammer. Nope. It was essentially given to her, and you know, so that that's what you got to say. Was it? Does the good outweigh the bad, or the bad outweigh the good? I think it's a wash. I really do. There were some funny moments. Yeah, for sure. And I will be excited for the next Thor movie based on the fact that A, Natalie Portman won't be in it because I thought she kind of ruined this one a little bit. I'm pretty harsh, so hear me out. I'm excited for the new interaction between Thor as a dad god (laughs) and his kid and like that whole situation. Also, I love Valkyrie. I love that. Like, I think that it'll just there will be some new things. I wish, though, more than anything, that they would have done a Guardians movie with Thor. Like, it would be great if the next Guardians movie was actually when they were doing all of their adventures with Thor. Because, like, that's the interaction I want. I think that he mixes so well with them, and it's so funny, that they're completely, like, remiss if they don't even capitalize on that. I don't know. I mean... The one thing I will say is this. It was very colorful. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I love, they must have paid Guns N' Roses a pretty penny. Not. Oh, oh, so much money. But that was, 
even that opening sequence where oh, you yeah. see, you know, Cork talking and, you know, he's going through. I thought they synced that up beautifully. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so well done in that. So the music, it wasn't obviously as good as Guardians, but it was. there were definitely some musical notes to it. And well, the soundtrack was on point, just like... You know, so I... Th- but it was okay. I mean, it was a good movie. I think... So The what I personally, when I first see a movie like this, I just absorb the content. Yes, yes. I'm going to go back and see it again. Yeah. Okay? And I may have different... Did you notice something, though? And I, I'd love to find this out. Did you notice what was hanging on the door of one of, of the ship? It was an Easter egg, probably. No. What was it? Cocktails and Dreams. Oh, I saw that. What does that mean, though? I don't know what that meant. So have you ever seen the movie Cocktail? With Tom Cruise? No, I haven't, but I know. Okay. So that was actually the name of the bar. So we've been wondering if like Tom Cruise could ever make an MCU appearance. Yeah. What if he did? That would have been that was his little I don't want to say dig, but that was definitely a I noticed that on the ship. I'm like, I know that's from cocktail, so what the hell's going on here? You know, but it was one of those things where so yeah, that, that was an interesting inter- I would be very curious to see where that goes. But so, a couple of things. Number one, where do you think they go from here with the cutscenes? Like, does Zeus become a villain maybe in the next film? I hope so. I sure hope so. For sure, Hercules is going to be a part of it. Absolutely. I would, I would hate it if they made Hercules like this really low-level part of the next one. They've done things like this before. I feel like where they like, again, they dangle something and then it's barely a part He's of it. He's a proxy. Next. Yeah, I want him for sure to be a part of it, though. Again, what I don't understand is, of course, the fucking Natalie Portman and Valhalla. Shit. Like, who cares? Yeah. So I, I think if you didn't care about the character, you didn't care about anything she did and her journey and everything else. I just, which makes you wonder, because this is something that obviously fans are really liking, mm-hmm. because it's it's the box office is is telling us this. So, do you think that they? I don't know. I mean, I hope. Do you think he, Tygo Ortini, comes back for another installment? I hope so. Because I think that he would have done the best that one could do in this situation. But, um, yeah, no, I think that I think I would love for him to come back. I think he's a good marriage, especially with like the storyline with Thor. And so I think that I would like to see him come back for sure. I think he was kind of given like a rough situation with the whole. Let's bring Jane Foster back. But I think he did the best he could with it. It's going to be interesting to see. So it's going to be interesting to see where the whole MCU goes from here. Now, we know that, by the way, I was totally, totally wrong about the end credit scene. I mean, I really thought they were going to show the Wakanda Forever trailer. Me too. Well, and it was literally the most bullshit last. Like, why did I wait that long? That's I was, but I was see, upset. they've done that before, though. They punked the audiences before. I mean, you look at what they did with the Spider-Man one with Captain America. You look at Deadpool. So they punked audiences before. Every four or five films, they like to do that. That's such bullshit. Though we're so loyal, like they should be giving us. Oh yeah, and, and that's and so that's their dig. Yeah, that's the way they get their you know their fans to stick around. They're like, oh, you know, but it's one of those things. So now. 
I was thinking about this today. So it's now going to be in one of two places. So the Disney investor call is next month at the end of, I believe it's August 31st. So it's either going to be there for the investors call, but I don't think it's going to be there. I think it's going to premiere at San Diego Comic-Con because this is going to be the first time that you've everybody's this is the first time in three years you've been having full auditoriums so i think hall h is going to be huge one day david we're going to be at sandy comic-con i'm manifesting that manifest no i i know that we're going to do it but but it's one of those things where i think i think that's where they're going to drop it i really do that that's that's the last place that's the last place that they're going to do it because okay so everybody who's not familiar with what Disney does. Every single year they have an, what's called an investment call. This is basically to say how much money they've made. Did they make money, lose money? And then every single franchise goes through what they have on tap for the upcoming year up until the next 2023. So you have Disney Animation, you have Pixar, you have Marvel, you have Lucasfilms, you have all of these other companies under the Disney umbrella, and they're all going to show. I mean, that's why Kevin Feige rolls all this stuff out on the investment calls so they can get people excited. And then they even have a bigger audience for Comic-Con. Anyways, it will be interesting to see where they do this. If they don't do it on the investment call, it absolutely is going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, No, I agree with you. So then where do you think the whole MCU goes from here? I have zero. I mean, let, let me ask you a question. How many more films, if you had a guess, we know there's going to be at least two with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Guardians Volume 3. How many more films do you think there's going to be in Phase 4? The better question is how many films will I give a shit about? And there's going to be about two. And then I'm going to drop off because, quite frankly, I am of the generation that was invested in the Iron Man er- like era. Now they've tried to introduce other people, which is great, whatever, fine. I personally will not give a shit. So I will care about any of the Thor movies, great. I'll watch Wakanda forever, probably. I And also Guardians, for sure. So, okay. So, I don't really care where it's going anymore. So you, you, what you're essentially saying is that after the Infinity Gauntlet saga ended, you just checked out. Ish, because again, I care about Guardians, I care about Thor, and I care about Wakanda Forever. So I, oh, and also Spider-Man No Way Home. I do care. I care about the main characters and what they're going to be doing, but I know they're all going to slowly drop off. So I kind of, I don't even care about Doctor Strange that much, like at this point. But at this point, they're all, and this is where, and this and this is the problem, this is where they should have been able to reveal whoever the big bad was, whether it was Kang or whomever it was. The fact is, these are all individualized movies now. Yes. They're all like individual episodes. And if there's no main overarching, you know, villain that say, oh, we're going to go after this guy. Well, we don't have like a common goal anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a problem. And so, I mean, yeah. So you have on the 17th of February, you've got. Ant-Man and the Wasp, which... Who cares? You know, Ant-Man is not really that you know, popular. I love Paul Rudd, but I don't give a Yeah. Uh, Wakanda, yes. Yeah. So then you got Guardians coming out on May 5th. And then 
you've got the Marvels coming out on July 28th. So, and I don't think anybody's really going to care about that because I don't think the Marvels did well. I don't know. Ant-Man was a very, 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 very small role. In his maybe the one thing that Ant Man did was say, like, that's America's ass, you know, like that was like the one thing he said that everybody remembers, you know, to to Captain. You mean America. Captain America? No, he said it to Captain America about his ass. Oh, yeah, he remember? did. Oh, you're right. You're right. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, coming up, we do have Mob Mondays coming up at the start of August. We have so next week is to be D. We will figure that out. And at the end of the month, I have an interview with somebody who's a poker professional. That's, this is more of for more of me than anything else. I mean, I, I hope you guys like poker. I talk about it quite a bit whenever I can. A couple of weeks from now, we will be talking about Jordan Peele movies. Nope. It is going to be coming out, I think, the 28th. Two weeks. That's going to be a blast. And at the very end of the month... We will be doing Brad Pitt movie. And then, so that will be good there. Exciting. So tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. I am on Instagram at, at Elisa Ivers and as well as TikTok. And that's all. And I am on Twitter at Wannabe Rounder and LinkedIn and Instagram at D Caduto. And if you do want to support us, please come follow us. Yes. One way or the other. Uh, we do have a uh, Patreon you can actually go check out at patreon.com backslash real talks and you can find all of the different things there. But this has been a blast. Yeah. First spoiler cast. Love it. So uh, how did it feel to be a first? It was good. It was a good time for sure. I think that I'd be up to spoil some other other movies depending on my interest in them. Obviously, I've been talking about this one for like a month straight. So I feel like that was, I think, I think everybody's been talking about it now that, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, all the hype's gone. Yeah. In all honesty, once I will be honest, I'll be very interested to see. So if this makes one twenty five, one thirty this weekend, mm-hmm. I'll be very curious to see how much it drops off next weekend. Same. Very, very curious because this is going to, I think if, even though the reviews are good, I think it's going to plummet like a rock. For sure. So, in any event, okay, that's all we got for you today. I'm David Steele. And I'm Elisa Ivers, and this is Real Talks. There we go. And you've been listening to Real Talks. See you later, guys. Bye, guys.